We wait on you. We worship you. We long for you to speak. God, we're here to listen to your word. We're here to humbly obey. And so God, speak clearly through your word. May it not be like BBs on a brick wall. May it not fall on deaf ears. But may it come alive in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. If there's anyone here that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if the blood of Jesus hasn't covered their sin, if their sin isn't as far as the east is from the west, God, I pray that tonight they will not leave here without considering Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who came to die and came to rise in victory over sin and death so that we might not have to pay the penalty for our own sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things and we ask you to do more than we could ask or think. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, I'm kind of missing my sermon bumper uh, video that kind of like uh, helps me get up here and get my podium. Can you tell this is, I'm, I'm missing that. Um, but uh, you know what, maybe another day. Um, all right, open your Bibles to Jonah. We're in a series um, called Jonah, Love Without Borders. And so I came over to church tonight to hopefully prick your heart. I can't prick your heart. You do know that, right? I can't. I can't cut you to the heart. I can't make you understand how much God loves. Uh, my prayer request on the prayer register, the connect register was, God, please, right, help me to communicate how much you love us to others. And um, that's hard to do. That's hard to do because God loves you so much. It's hard for me to be able to communicate that in a way that only the Holy Spirit can communicate it. So I pray that he will, that he'll give you everything you need um, to understand what he's saying. So we're in Jonah chapter 1. We preached verses 1 through 6, but we have a lot of guests tonight. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 and then go on through 16. Um, most people think Jonah is a story about a, a whale. There's no Jonah in the whale in the scriptures, honestly. There's Jonah in a fish. A great fish, so maybe that's a whale. Um, but the thing about Jonah is, it's not about the whale. It's just not. It's about Jonah. And you know what? The interesting thing about when you read the whole book, Jonah's about you. It's about me. I am Jonah. As, actually, what happens is, when they get to the Day of Atonement, as uh, Hebrews they would read this portion of Scripture, Jonah, and then they, at the end of it, would say, I am Jonah. They would confess that. They would be like, I run from God. God has to chase me down. That's what I do. Thank you for your atonement. Substitutionary atonement is loving, and that's what Jesus gave us. So let me read it for you, Jonah chapter 1. If you're there, say you're there. Because we're a Bible church, and we like to read the Bible together. So if you're there, say you're there. All right, a couple of you are still going to get there, but most of you are there. So let's go Jonah chapter 1. All right. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, 
saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for its evil, their evil, has come up before me. So is the instruction clear, church? What is he supposed to do? Arise, go to Nineveh. And what's he supposed to do when he's at Nineveh? Call out against the city to say, Your evil is a stench in the nose of God. That's what he's supposed to say. All right, just so we're all clear. But Jonah, yeah, rose to flee to Tarshish. It's like Spain, I guess, or like off far west when he's supposed to be going east. From the presence of the Lord. Now, ding, 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 ding. I got bells going off in my ears. I was like, can you run from the presence of God? Okay, that was weak. I got like four people over here and like two people over there that think you cannot. If I Hopefully online you were like, no, but we didn't hear you. Maybe we'll hear you at JM on the 14th, right? That's what we'd like to see. All right, but hey, can you run from the presence of God? Can you hide? Can you go somewhere where he won't see you? The Bible says I could go to hell. He'll still know. I could go up to hell. I could go anywhere. The depths of the sea, he knows. He's there. The presence of God, his omnipresence everywhere. And we pray for the manifest presence of God, right? We pray that God will be here, like, show us your glory. All right. So he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Bad idea. He went down. He's going to say down four times. It's like, just get the picture of a toilet bowl. I told our people last week, but I'm trying to catch you guys up. Like, get the picture of a toilet bowl. And it just kind of like circles and circles and circles, and then it's gone. Kind of gross. I know. But that's what's happening here. It's kind of gross. Sin does this to us. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Just wants to make it really clear. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest, and the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. This is one of the things I love about Jonah, is even like inanimate objects like a ship are speaking. It's like, hey, I'm threatening you. I'm going to break up, right? And it's like, it's just, it's just a crazy story, and it's so fun. All right, and then it says, then, verse 5, the mariners, these are professional sailors, were afraid. They don't get afraid easy. They've seen a lot. This must be a big, bad storm. And each cried out to his God. That's interesting. It's better than nothing, I guess. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. What a great sacrifice to lighten the load for them. I like my life more than I like getting paid. Let's get this all out of here, all right? And then, but Jonah had gone down, third time, into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. How do you sleep through a storm where mariners are afraid? You got to be running from God. You got to be tone deaf. You got to be like, I don't know. Depressed maybe. Right? I can't get out of bed when I'm depressed. He's got to be like gone exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically. So he's sleeping through it all. Verse 6, So the captain came and said to him, 
What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God, perhaps the God, one of them, will give a thought to us, and we may not perish. That means die. So, last week, if you missed it, in case you missed it, the message was, wake up. What is it? God's mission is love, right? God's mission is love. Wake up. God loves people, even Ninevites. Even the worst, I talked about the torture and everything they did. It was gross. Like, God loves even his enemies. Even me. Even you. God loves us. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we got to wake up, church. We got to wake up online. And we got to know that God's mission is love, He loves everyone. Now, whether you feel that or not tonight, I don't know. And I've been trying to think about how can I communicate to you how much God loves you. I could say it. God loves you. How'd that feel? God loves you. Now, I understand what's going through your head. If God loved me, why did that happen to me? If God loves me, I mean, Ursula, like, she gave us all this linear, like, like, all these things that are going wrong. It's like, what up? You know, Hebrews chapter 12 says that God chastens whom he loves. And again, we get the wrong idea. Like, everything that happens, oh, I must have sinned, I must have done, like, I'm not saying there's any sin involved. There might be, there might not. I don't know. But suffering's a thing. Jesus came and suffered and died. All right, so here's the thing. I have a message for you tonight. The message is step up. God's love is willing. Am I? That's the message. But here's the thing. The problem I have is God God really got after me today, this morning, after I got this message, and he was like, and don't forget to say this. And I'm like, okay, well, I already got a lot to say. <laughs> but we're in the book of Jonah, and when God says, hey, don't forget to say this, I'm not going to be like, yeah, you know, I got a plan. You know, it's almost like a test. It's like, are you listening to what you're preaching to? Yeah, I'm listening, God. So, hey, let me say this. I could have titled the message, When Believers Act Unbelievable. That's what I could have. When believers act unbelievably. When people that are supposed to be for Jesus and God aren't. That's kind of what's happening here. I could have titled the message, Wise Up. <laughs> Throw sin overboard, right? Right? But God gave me the, the, the message, step up, God's love is willing, am I? I think it's because it's more encouraging, honestly. I think we all need a little encouragement. But I don't want to like just encourage you and tickle your ears and not have you come away from this message going, sin is my problem. Jesus is the solution. He loves me enough to tell me the truth that sin is separating me from him. 
And as I repent of my sin, and as I throw sin overboard, get out! I don't want you anymore! Get out! Which means i got to be honest with myself. When I throw it out, and I return to Him, the Bible says He returns to me. And our fellowship is restored. Maybe for the first time, or maybe again. So I just don't want you to lose that in all of this. And uh, I felt like I need to say this one thing too. We tend to grasp the seriousness of others' sin more than our own sin. We tend to think, well, my son, man, what a sinner, man. I have really good kids. They're, they're not that great of sinner. And you know what? Sometimes that trips us up. We get self-righteous, right? So, tonight, let's look at ourselves in the mirror, and let's not like go, oh, this is a great message for somebody else, so that's, oh yeah, if somebody else would do that, like let's, let's be hearers of the word and doers as well, okay? So, I've set it up now, now I can get to chapter uh, 1, verse 7, here it is. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots. So, they already cried out to their gods, right? Now they're like, let's test the gods. <laughs> that we may know, uh, know on whose account. I circled that in my Bible, whose account, because I think accounting is an interesting term. Somebody's fault. Right? Somebody's guilty. Okay, that's what he's saying. On whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Imagine that, the sovereignty of God. And they said to him, tell us on whose account, there it is again, whose account, like whose fault, who done it? Was it you? Was it somebody else? You speak, we're listening. You get to tell us on whose account this evil, sin, has come upon us. What is your occupation? Question one. I like to like put notes in my Bible, so I'm like one in my Bible. What is your occupation? Does anybody know the answer to that? What's his occupation? What's Jonah's occupation? Prophet, right? We know, because we've read the Bible. There's a prophet. Duh. What they're asking, they don't know. Okay? And where do you come from? Where did he come from? Well, Joppa. That's where he picked him up. But where was he at before that? Gath Ephor, right? That's his home city, right? All right. And, uh, you know, again, and then, that's number two, what is your country? What country did he come from? Israel, right? Galilee, right? And then, and of what people are you? Like, who do you belong to? What tribe? Like, okay. He's Hebrew. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear or worship the Lord. That's the name Yahweh. 8,000 8, sometimes in the Old Testament. The word Yahweh. I fear Yahweh, the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. 
Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. It's kind of fun to say. Go ahead. Tempestuous. Yeah, it's fun. Online, did you get that out? It's kind of a tongue twister. Tempestuous. It's bad. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, what did they do? They threw him over, right? Because they're selfish, right? They're like, yeah, you know, they're, they're evil. They're Gentiles. They're, they're the worst of the worst, right? Right behind the Ninevites. That's what you're expecting because you're a good Christian. You're like, well, these people don't know God. They're probably going to treat me badly. Yeah, well, I think that's the problem with us Christians. We normally think other people are going to treat people badly, and we end up doing it, sadly. That stings a little. I know, it stings me too. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. They were going back to Joppa. They're like, we're going back, okay? And they're like, oh, 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 and they just can't get her done. But they're working hard to save this dude. Do we do that? But they could not. I have that underlined in my Bible. But they could not. You can't go against God. They could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. I think it's going one direction. Do you get that direction? Worse. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. What a change, right? Weren't they praying to their little gods? Little G-God, little God, Baal. They're Phoenicians, so I'm just assuming it's Baal. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. Isn't there another part of the Bible where that happens? Oh, yeah, on Mark Carmel. That didn't go so well. All right, so they're like, oh, Baal, answer us. Maybe they were praying to other gods too, these little gods. And now they call out to the one true God, to Yahweh, and they're like, oh, Yahweh, oh, Lord, let us not die, perish, for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. Is he innocent? He said he was guilty, but there was no tribunal. There was no court of law. So they're giving him the benefit of the doubt. They're like, yeah, you say you're guilty, but we don't know. Don't lay on us this innocent blood. They're, they're hedging their bets. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. You aren't stopping this train. <laughs> so they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. Are you ready? Church, are you ready? You are not ready for what's going to happen next. Because you're going to just go, of course, that's, that's, that's a story. I get it. Yeah. This is a bona fide miracle. They throw Jonah in the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. All right. Everybody's crying and crazy and running all over, and God help us. And then all of a sudden, and peace like a river, tender my way. It's like, it's like the chorus breaks out. How shocked would you be? How dumbfounded would you be? You got to get yourself into the story. You'd be like, I thought we were dead. What just happened? We prayed to the Lord. 
we threw the prophet of the Lord in the ocean, like he said, calm. Crazy. See, that's the God you and I serve. Why do we think he's not powerful? Why do we live our lives like he's like, wimpy, wimpy, wimpy? No, he's not. He's hefty, hefty, hefty. Right? He's like powerful. He's got this. And we're like, I don't know, pandemic. Ah. The Lord, Yahweh, the sea stopped from raging. And then verse 16, this is so important. Like this is, I want to get to this at the end. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They weren't afraid exceedingly. They feared God exceedingly. They went from like, we don't know what to do. We're scared to like, hold on. We know who we fear. We know who we worship. And we're going to do something about it. And I want you to leave here tonight with that. I want you to leave here tonight going, I'm going to do something about it. I know who I fear. It's not a pandemic. It's not my employer. It's not a lack of money. It's not fill in the blank, whatever you're struggling with. I fear God and Him alone. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So I'm going to ask you to do that at the end of the service. I'll just tell you now. I want you to offer a sacrifice to God, and I want you to make a vow. Okay? Offering a sacrifice to God is like, what needs to die in me? Okay? That's got to go. Right? That's a sacrifice. I got to leave this here. It's not going home from church with me. That's a sacrifice. And then a vow is, what should I do? Okay, so I'm going to leave that behind. Now, what should I do to fill that in? It's kind of like putting off, putting on. All right? That's what I want you to leave here with. All right, I think I've set it up long enough. So step up. Church of God, step up. This culture needs us to be loving. This culture needs us to bring the love of God to them. Okay? Step up. God's love is willing. Am I? God wants everyone to be saved. Do you? Well, yeah, everybody but the people I don't like. Well, that's Jonah. I am Jonah. I want God to save who I want God to save. My neighbors, my friends. But I don't care if he saves them, that terrorist or that person that told me off. No, I don't care about them. That's not godly. God loves all people. He doesn't love some people more than other people. He loves all people, and he wants all people to come to him. He's going to choose, not us, who's going to come to him, and I'm grateful for that. All right, so let me, let me put it to you this way. Three ways God will reveal his love through me. Three ways God will reveal his love through me if I'm willing. I think I keep asking that because I'm like, I'm not sure if you're willing. I'm not sure if I'm willing. But if I'm willing, God's going to do some cool stuff. Number one, God will use my story. Am I willing to share it? 
That's from verses 7 through 9. God will use my story. Am I willing to share it? All right? So you see here what's happening. They were crying out to their gods. They cast lots. That's a cool kind of illustration. Let me get after that. Okay? So these are dice. It's kind of like playing dice. You know, you roll the dice and you're like, what number? Right? And a lot of times if they were rolling dice, it would be like five sides that were one color and then one side that's a different color. Kind of like this dice. There's only one of these on this dice. And if this one gets rolled, then we know something. Right? That kind of thing. But a better way to explain it, I only had dice. I didn't bring the rocks. A better way to explain it is if they had rocks or sticks and they put an image or a, a name, right? Maybe their first initial, like, hey, I'm Jay, okay, Jonah. <laughs> and they put that on there and then they put it in a bag and they shake it up and they like toss one out. Whichever one falls out, that's the one. You guess who fell out? Jonah fell out. Imagine that. Yeah, just coincidence. It's not coincidence. God's like, Jonah, you have a story to tell. Start talking. He gives him the opportunity to share his story. Does he share his story? Does he? I don't know. So scholars really hum and haw on this, and I'm not going to be definitive about it. Is, is he coming clean when he says, look at verse 9. And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. Is the tone like, I'm a Hebrew. <laughs> I, I worship Yahweh, God of heaven. Is he repentant? Or is he self-righteous? Is he like, hey, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the one true God, the God of heaven. Yes, let me preach, you know. Like, what's his demeanor like? And I can't get that. And everybody guesses. But I want to say to you, I think the Bible is leaving it vague for a reason. I think you have a tone. Are you like, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. I worship Jesus, the God that came from heaven and died to pay the penalty for my sin. And he rose again over sin and death. Are you acting like that? You know, I say that. Am I saying that self-righteous? Or am I saying that like, yeah, you can serve him too. Come on. I, some days I do one thing and some days I do another. Some days I'm self-righteous. And some days I'm like a sinner saved by grace and I want everybody to know it. And the way you tell your story, whether self-righteous or a sinner saved by grace, will set the tone for the love of God. You need to know that. A little bit about my story. Um, I grew up in Rochester, which means I didn't think my poop stunk kind of a proud place to grow up. If you grew up here, you probably know that, or maybe you haven't figured it out yet. If you go away for a while and come back, you'll see it, right? But I grew up in Rochester. I grew up in a Christian family. It was a lot of fun, and there was some hardship. Uh, we went to church a lot, but at age five, 
lust became a thing. Saw pornography, and it twisted me, right? You've probably been into sin, and it twists you. And just a little seed of sin kind of grows up, but doesn't go down, down, down. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. And so in my story, there's a lot of hardship, like church splits, like knee surgery. And there's a lot of good stuff, like godly people and preaching and God's word and baptism and confession and passion. And there's a lot of like, who cares? Basketball, soccer, work. It's just there. Unless you're doing it for God. And maybe in your story, there's some of those same things. There's, I wrote a list. In your past, you have history. You have family. You have nationality. You have an upbringing. You have experiences. You have language. You have tendencies. You have tradition. You have hurts and sufferings. And God was sovereign in it all. And if you come to grips with that, that God was sovereign in it all, and he gave you this story to go share it with other people so that he might show his love, then that's going to play nice. But if you're like, well, I can't say that. Well, I can't, I can't, well, I want to hide this. I don't want you to know about that. Well, that gets us into our second point. Let me give you just an action point out of the first one. I don't want to kill you with action points, but I find that some people get one and they don't get the other, all right? So here it is. Have you ever written down your God story? Just, just write down. Yeah, I first knew God when I was five, Mrs. Armour's Sunday school class. I just remember her talking about Jesus. And then, you know, and you just keep going. And you just keep going. What's your journey with Jesus? What's your journey with Jesus? You keep writing. You just keep, just write your God story. And you can refine it. And you get it, get it to three to five minutes. Things that you think are powerful that you could share with your neighbors or loved ones or coworkers. But it starts with you writing it down. So write down your God story so that you're able to share it so that people can see the love of Jesus Christ through you. Okay? All right. God gave you a story. The second point, God will use my sin. He'll use my sin. Like, what? Well, you, can, you gotta, don't miss this. God's using Jonah's sin in this passage to save these sailors. What if Jonah would have went to Nineveh? We're all like, yeah, Jonah, you obeyed. But what if God's plan was to save some sailors on the way to Nineveh? Imagine that. And what if he created us with a free will so we get to do what we want to do inside of his will? And so Jonah's like, I'm going here. Oh, yeah, well, we'll get you where you're going to go, but like, let's just use you while you're there. We're not going to waste this opportunity. These guys need Jesus too, right? That kind of thing. So whatever you're going through, don't like just muscle up through it. Like maybe God has you there for a reason to help you Share some things with others, and maybe they'll see the light and come to Christ. So look at verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, because sin does that to people. If you're living in fear, I guarantee you're living in sin. And he said to him, what is this that you have done? Now, it's not a question. Do you see a question mark at the end of that? Look in your Bible. 
Is there a question mark? What is this you have done? No, there's an exclamation point. This is a statement. Are you crazy? They're not like, are you crazy? <laughs> They're like, you're crazy. Why do they think he's crazy? Because he just said he serves the God of heaven who made the, what? The sea and the dry land. Well, give the guy a break. Wherever he goes, God made it, right? But they're like, dude, we're fishermen. We're on the sea. You're saying your God made the sea and you're running from him on the sea? Grab a clue phone, dude. You're in trouble. No wonder we're in like the worst storm we've ever seen. What are you thinking? They're like, shake, shake, shake. Like, you're crazy. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So it's almost like I read this and I'm like, hold on. It's almost like this is what happened. He came on the ship. And they're, and they're like, maybe there's a discussion or something. And, and he's like, I need to go to Tarshish. And they're like, why do you need to go to Tarshish? Well, I'm getting away from Yahweh. They don't know who Yahweh is. So they're like, all right. Yeah, I'll take your money. So he's, it's almost like he'd already told them, I'm running from Yahweh. But they didn't, he didn't tell them what Yahweh was. And how powerful he is. Or they'd have been like, no thanks. But now he comes clean. He's like, dude. Yeah, you know, Yahweh's a big deal. <laughs> you know, he's kind of like God, the one true God, not Baal. And they're like, you're crazy. So here's the point. God will use my sin if I'm willing to confess it. Now, again, I know that that's the truth, and it's the principle. I don't know if that's what Jonah's doing or what he's not doing. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I don't know if, sure if Jonah is a good example or a bad example, but I know that this principle is true. If you, God will use your sin when you confess it. This is the way I would say it. Your mess is your message. Right? If you've had an abortion, that can kill you, cripple you, or that can set you free. You know, that can take you to a ministry that no one else could have. To a people that need it. We had a preacher a couple weeks ago that said he, he struggles with same-sex attraction. His mess of wanting to run towards the sin of homosexuality is his message, right? And stating it out loud and saying, I struggle with this. I just said pornography is in my past. Do you know how bad that bites? 95% of the men in the room do. But are we willing to say, I have this issue? Because that sin issue will keep you down unless you confess it. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Here's the thing, i got to just say this. The problem is you're in the church. And in the church, people don't like it when you say stuff like that. If I could replay for you your face, the cringe underneath that mask. I can just see it with the eyes. They kind of like tighten up a little bit. 
Oh, don't talk about homosexuality. Don't talk about abortion. Don't talk about pornography. Not in church. Where else can you come to be free? Who else died for everything? Why do we live and let it just pile on? We have to be a different church. We have to be a different church. Not the church in America that says, if you fit my box, if you wear my clothes, you can come to my church. That church is going to hell. God accepts people who are broken, who are willing to say they're broken or get their sin right out in the middle of the room. Cut the head off the snake. We can't hide from our sin. And so I just, I got to ask you, are you hiding from your sin? Are you hiding your sin away? Are you like, oh, you'll never know. But I'm coming to church. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good too. Good. Let's be good together. When's the last time you walked into church and said, I had a hard week? And how did they, oh, shut the conversation down. No. Hey, how can I pray for you then, brother? How can I pray for you then, sister? Because I believe in a God that can turn that week around right now. Right now. Because he's that powerful. So we've got to get this. We've got to know that God will use my sin if I'm willing to confess it. I could go on and on about my sin. I could go on and on the stories in this church of sin confessed, accepted, accepting people for who they are, showing them the love of Christ, helping them get through it. There are laws in our country. If you come and tell me that you murdered somebody, i got to go tell the police, okay? That is a law. If you come and tell me that you molested some kid, i got to go tell the police. And you should want me to. You should want to come clean on that, all right? I'm not, not saying that you know, like, sin doesn't have consequence. It does have consequence. But sin has grace. And the only way you're going to break free is if you feel that from God and from us. All right, this last point, number three, verses 11 through 16. God will use my life, my very life, if I'm willing to give it. So many references to that in the New Testament. I'm not going to go there, but like Jesus kept saying, lay your life down, lay your life down, lay your life down. Is he telling us to kill ourselves? No. He's like, die to yourself, to your flesh, die to the old man and sin, and live a new life a new spiritual life in me. And so, this point, God will use my life. Am I willing to give it? Just look at this, verse 11. And they said to him, what should we do? What should we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? I just want to know, why didn't Jonah say, let's start rowing back to uh, Joppa? Why didn't Jonah say that? Would it have been different if Jonah would have said that? If Jonah had been like, hey guys, we got to go back. That's repentance. See, that's why I'm like really confused about Jonah. Is he repentant or not? I don't really get it. I don't, because why doesn't he just say, dude, let's go back. We got to go back. Guys, let's go back. Could you guys help me go back? We got to go back. We got to make this right. I got to get to Nineveh. 
This is why I got to tell them about Christ. Why don't I just tell you now? <laughs> and then I'll tell them later. Like, why didn't he just preach? Because Jonah has a problem with Gentiles. Jonah has a problem with unbelievers. Does it sound familiar? Jonah has a problem with people not like him. That aren't chosen. That aren't good enough. I think Jesus Christ abolished that. Now, I'm not beating Jonah up because Jonah is on the other side of the cross where Israel was God's chosen people. But now we know. Now we're on the other side of the cross where we know that Christ died for all people. We knew that in Genesis chapter 12, isn't it? That he said, Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to all the nations. Goes all the way back to Genesis 12. But Jonah didn't want to be a blessing to the nations. Jonah just wanted to be a blessing to the Israelites. Do we want to be a blessing to those outside of our walls or just the ones inside? Are we willing to give time, talent, treasure to other people or just to the people that come here to lift church? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. But we gotta, we got to get after this. Jonah, love without borders, as in love without church walls. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. All right, let's get after it here. Last thing here. So, God will use my life. Am I willing to give it? So, Jonah says, hey, if you pick me up and hurl me into the sea, I know it's because of me, and this great tempest will, will, will stop. And I just want to make this point before we close up. Like, why didn't they listen? Why didn't they just throw him in? Because these pagan sailors care about life. They care about life more than Jonah cares about life. Now, maybe it's physical life, not eternal life. I'll get that. Okay. Yep. Touche. But they care. These guys, hardened sailors, right? I'd like to see their hands. These rough men who've seen it all have a tender spot for life. Man, that teaches me something. These pagan sailors teach me something. And so they do what? Sea's getting worse, sea's getting worse, sea's getting worse. So what do they do? We'll try harder. That sound familiar? It's getting harder here. It's getting harder in America. It's getting harder at my job. Oh, I'm going to try harder. Row, row, row. I mean, they're just going to try harder. Because that's what every good American does. Right? Isn't that what we were taught? Just pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Just try harder. You can turn it around. That's the American dream. I, I fell into that trap. And I tried harder for a lot of years. And you know what? It wasn't until I said, I can't. I can't do it. You can. That's faith. That God was like, all right. All right. I got you. Now that you want me to do it, now that you're yielded to me, not trying to do it in your own strength, and I'm in the back seat, 
But now that we've reversed position, I'm going to do it. And it's not like he's going to do it like that. I'm going to do it in my time. I'm going to make it happen the way I want, the way I have planned. And you're here to see it all come to fruition. Hold on for the ride. That is going to be exhilarating. So watch what happens here in the story. It's going to be exhilarating. Therefore, this more and more and more, and they cry out. Can you imagine, like, unsaved people crying out to God? Like, yeah, I guess I did that when I asked him for, to save me. Didn't you? It's like I wasn't saved, and I was like, Jesus, save me! And he did. So we all have to come to him that way. I don't know if you grew up in church like I did, but it kind of felt like I was special. Like I was already saved before I got saved. That really messes with you. I challenge people when they tell me, oh yeah, I knew Jesus all my life. Yeah. When did you get saved? I've just always been saved. I'm like, oh really? That's interesting. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you were lost and he showed you you were lost and then you became found by your own repentance, right? You repent of your sin and he saves you. They called out, and I pray that you'll do that tonight, and they said, hey, God, have mercy on us. (laughs) We're going to throw this guy in And we don't know what you're going to do to us. They think they're dead. So they picked him up, they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased to rage. I don't know if your salvation experience was like that, but mine was. At 16, January 15th, 1992, the day I said, God, I am so twisted up in pornography, I must be a sinner. I'm a good church kid. I thought I was better than everybody else, but this one thing, this one thing makes me know that I am headed straight to hell because I am evil. And you know what? As soon as I confessed it and gave it to God, it was like peace. It was just something there. Now, you can go back and sin again, and there's not any peace in that, right? But it was peace. It was like the first time I ever felt that, where it was just like, I think I'm right with God. This is cool. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We're good for the first time. And I pray that, you know, that happens in my life again and again and in your life again and again, where you get to a spot where you're like, hey, we're just, we're just good, God, and you're in control. God, use my life. Use it all. I give it all to you. So they, they set, throw him in. Raging sea stops. And then you would think, because the story's about Jonah, right? Is it? I think the story's about God. So the story continues without Jonah. Here it is. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I read enough commentaries this week that made me want to vomit. Because people talk about the dumbest things. Like, how could, they, how could they offer a sacrifice? They threw all the cargo over. I don't know how they did it, but the Bible doesn't lie. They did it. Okay? 
So I have these little like wood things. I should have brought it. I, I forgot to bring it. One's an elephant and one's a lion. And it's just a little wood figure. What gods were they praying to? Can I ask? What gods were they praying to? What little wooden thing, what little bale, what little ashraf were they like, oh God, please. Yeah, that was getting chucked over the side. That's a sacrifice right there. That's what it is. That was getting burned on the ship. That's a sacrifice. So what do you need to leave this service with throwing over the ship? Right? I came in with this pornography issue. Boom, I'm throwing it over the ship. I came in with this, you know, pleasure, this lust, this whatever it is. You got to throw it over the ship. You got to burn it. Give a sacrifice to God. That's what these men did as they came to Christ. So whether you're coming to Christ for the first time tonight or whether you've come to him before, there's probably something in your life that you can sacrifice. I'm getting a lot of kind of dumb looks. Like, you're stupid, Steve. Like, you're in the church. Don't you understand we've already done everything? It's like there's nothing you can confess. There's nothing you want to... Okay, so I was afraid this would happen, and so I wrote down a few things. I have a problem. I'd just like to confess it. we got like two minutes for me to do that. Um, I have this problem. I think I'm God when it comes to judging what happens on a basketball court. It's not funny. Um, but thank you for laughing. Um, so I sit up here in the stands, and I see everything that I've ref before, I've coached before, I've played before, and I see what's going on from a ref's perspective, from a coach's perspective, from a player's perspective, from the ball's perspective. And I'm like, that's a foul! That's a travel. That's a double dribble. He pushed him. And I play God. Little G. It's kind of annoying. I think the fans are like, dude, who died and made you God? And I'm a pastor. This year, I was like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And it worked for a little bit. And then I was like, why do you do that? Well, James chapter 1 tells us why. Write down James chapter 1. James chapter 1 tells us, no, it's James chapter 4. tells us why. It's your desire. I desire that one team wins. I desire that my sons do well. I desire that it be fair and just. I desire that you do more than make money, that you actually make it by working hard. It's my desires. So, what am I going to do about that? I'm going to throw it overboard. Right? I'm going to confess it. I have to you. Which makes it harder for me. Because you might go to a game with me. And you're like, yeah, dude. You said you weren't going to do that. You have something like that? You're like, that was really frivolous. No, it wasn't. Not frivolous to me. Because every time I do it, I grieve the Holy Spirit and I quench the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not honored with that behavior. And then I go try to live my life. And why am I up, upset with my wife? And why am I upset with my kids? And why am I acting the way I'm acting? Why, why don't I feel the Lord? Why don't I feel the Spirit? 
because I've quenched him and grieved him. And until I repent of that and come back to him, I'm not going to feel the Holy Spirit again. Does that make sense? Okay. Now that's what it means to sacrifice. Okay, I've laid down a sacrifice for you. I'm asking you, church, to do that. Lay down a sacrifice. What do you got to stop doing? And then pick something up, make a vow. God, I'm not going to do that anymore. Instead, I'm going to go, here's my vow. I'm going to go talk to other fans. Maybe I need to say I'm sorry for what I have done. Talk to other fans who maybe don't know Jesus and get into a conversation with them about good stuff, their life. Right? And when COVID gets done, maybe I'll have them over to dinner afterwards. And we can talk life and I could be with them. And maybe God will shine light through this cracked vessel so that they might see Christ too. That's a vow. Make sense? I'm asking you to sacrifice and make a vow. I try to model it for you. I got to be done. We're going to take communion and we're going to sing a song. And we're going to be late tonight and it's awesome. Because we're in the house of the Lord. All right, so grab your communion. So there is no greater love than substitutionary atonement. There is a man named Jesus Christ who was both God and man. And he came to earth to give his life a ransom for you. He was a propitiation, a payment for your sin. And so this is perhaps the greatest thing we could do tonight is to think back to what, you know, you look at Jonah and you're like, dude, he gave his life. He's like, throw me over. He didn't try to weasel out of it. He's like, it's my fault. Throw me over and you guys are going to be fine. They didn't trust him, so they tried to keep going through it. Does that ring a bell? See, Jesus is like, hey, I died on the cross. You don't have to row harder. You don't have to try to do it on your own anymore. My body was broken for you. My blood was spilled for you. You can accept me as a sacrifice for your sins. And Jonah's a type of Jesus. Jesus referenced him a couple times. Three days, three nights in the belly of the whale. So I will be. I think Jesus was quite fond of Jonah. Talked about him quite a bit. One of three prophets he talked about. This is the body of Jesus Christ. Not literally. But a symbol. It helps us remember what Jesus did for us. And his body was broken. For us. This do remember for him. And just like that, he took the cup and he said, man, this is my blood, the precious blood of Jesus, the sacrifice for our sins. My blood spilled for you, covering your sin. You don't have to pay for it on your own. I've paid for it. This do in remembrance of me. Thank you, God. Thank you for our past, our story, our sin. 
and thank you for our life and the fact that we can give it to you. You are our perfect example, giving us life by giving your own life. And so, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't understand eternal life, I pray that tonight something I've said would have opened up their ears to hear or opened up their mind to understand that you are a loving and a good God, that you love them so much that you gave the most precious thing, yourself, (laughs) to die. We're in awe of your love, and we accept it. And not only that, we don't just accept it, we want to share it. We want to tell other people how astounding you are. So Lord, help us to get alone. Help us to weep again over our sin. Help us to feel what it was like to win the lottery, to win eternity for no good reason. You saved us when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. This is astounding. And we love you back. And we're thankful for your goodness and your mercy to us. And we pray you will seal it on our hearts tonight. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hey, let's stand and sing.